Let's say a word of prayer. Father, we come in Jesus' name asking that you would guide us, that you would shape us. Lord, we know that in, in the Psalms you tell us, teach us how to number our days, Father, and I pray that we can number our days well. That we would be a people who will be a faithful steward to the time that you allotted us, Father. We don't know when our time will come, when, it, when you will call us, but we pray that when we stand before you, that we can present not only our lives, but our time to you in such a way that honors you, Father. Lord, I thank you for the overall work that your spirit is doing among us. We ask that in this time of um, kind of transitioning into the fall and everything, Lord, that we just reflect on your goodness and seek to honor your name and seek to bring your kingdom. Again, Lord Jesus, we love you. We thank you and pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay, so if you guys remember in the spring, we had talked about that we were going to embark upon a five-year project on spiritual formation and that we would do something in the spring and fall of every year and then we would put that on repeat cycle. And the big reason that we wanted to do that, the big reason why I think this is so important is while spiritual formation does not make God love you more, does not help God show you more grace, it does help you embrace the abundant life that God has for you. It helps you embrace who Christ is calling us to be. It helps us enjoy this Christianity and prepare us for hard times. And so what we're going to talk about today is um, the practice of the Sabbath. And let me start off with, I know everyone is at varying points in this particular um, belief, but I would say the Sabbath is wisdom. I, I, after my study and my, my, my research, and I'm willing to have long, more conversations about it, I don't think it's binding for the people of Jesus. But if you feel like it's binding for the people of Jesus, the Lord is with you. You can fellowship with us still and have a great time. But if you want to talk more about it, we can talk offline about that. But I do think there's wisdom in practicing the Sabbath. You guys have heard this phrase, and you probably have said it this week. I'm tired. Yeah. <laughs> you woke up this week, one day of the week. The day just started, I'm tired. Three hours into the day, I'm tired. 8 p.m., I'm tired. At every point, I'm tired. You know, someone makes a request, the first thought, instead of saying yes, what's the request? You're like, I'm tired. Like you hear a request and it just goes through that filter of I'm tired. And we live, and Portland is like, you, any of you who've ever been here long enough, this is about as slow pace as it gets, I think, on the East Coast. <laughs> like other cities in the East Coast, man, it's just like going, going, going. Here it's slow pace and I still feel tired. <laughs> and so, there's been a lot of research done in the last three years since the um, COVID pandemic that talked about the effects of fatigue on, um, on our nation and our country. And I think this area is no, no exclusion from that. And so there was a recent study done that on fatigue, and, and, and the areas that they studied was physical fatigue, cognitive um, weariness, emotional exhaustion, mm -hmm. lack of interest, motivation, or energy, and ultimately lack of effort. And so they were like, we want to study these components and how are these things impacting people? And the, the statistics are alarming. This is probably going to, I wouldn't be surprised if next year or the year after, this is going to be a national crisis of how to help people rest. Like, because America accomplishes a lot of things, but it doesn't accomplish rest. And so in 2002, the number of people who took this survey reported 59% have felt 
feelings of burnt out. Where they feel like, you cannot add one more thing to my plate. You cannot ask me to do one more thing. So it isn't unique just to the people of God. You know, sometimes Christians are like, it's because of Christianity, I'm tired. This is a survey taken just period, where people are like, do not ask me to do one more thing. 59%. 40% of workers since 2020 have changed their careers in hopes of finding a job that will produce less fatigue. So you're talking about a nationwide survey where 40% of the people who filled out this survey are in new occupation or have retired early to find rest. The workplace has estimated this, this, this past year, 2022, it, it has cost America over $4 billion to deal, $400 billion to deal with the massive fatigue that we're seeing in our country. What people are spending on health insurance, medication, therapy, um, all, all sorts of things. This costs America as a whole $400 billion. Next time you say you're tired, recognize that your fatigue costs a lot of money. <laughs> <laughs> and it's true. The things we're trying to do to kind of recharge ourselves. You're like, I'm tired. Let me go to Tahiti. <laughs> you get to Tahiti, and you're tired. <laughs> I'm the, I'm the guy who goes on vacation and comes back from vacation tired. So I, I have to do something new with, with my life. Um, and so this statistic broke it down generationally. 34% of Gen Z, so that's um, people born roughly 2002 to about 2013, 34% feel fatigue. And now you're probably thinking, they barely got anything going on. What are they tired about? <laughs> Talk to anyone raising high school students. They are in a trillion events. When I was growing up in high school, I had like one or two things. Now they're like, I'm in chess club, golf club, shoe club, laces club, I'm in the hair club. You know, you just like, there are just so many events that these kids have to be. Or they, there's a social pressure that they have to be a part of these things. Millennials blew it out the water. 59% of millennials are just exhausted. <laughs> Just exhausted. Now that's the age group of uh, 1980 to roughly about 1998. So that group is just really exhausted. They feel a lot. Gen Z, about a quarter of that group, a little over a quarter, is feeling exhausted. And then the boomers, the, the group that just retired. You would think that group that's retiring or approaching retirement, their fatigue is low. They're cranking out at 30 percent too. They're like, I'm tired. <laughs> Everyone is tired. So. What these statistics show is about one-third of this country is tired. <laughs> one-third of the people we engage with are tired. If you engage a millennial, then that number is, what's six over ten? That's three-fifths. Three-fifths of the millennials you engage with are tired. They will tell you, I'm tired. There's a lot going on. And I believe a huge part of God's wisdom in giving the Sabbath is to remedy that. God wanted his people to be a people who can experience his rest and his shalom, who can experience his life-giving presence. But we live in an age of hurry and busyness, and sometimes we have bought into the um, lies that prevent us from experiencing this rest. The idea of working endlessly is baked into the fabric of the American culture. It's just what it is. You know, then you got the pressures of advancing. Like, how are you supposed to make more money if all you do is work 40 hours? You got to do more. 
you got to work even more. You got to come up with new hustles and new things, and that means less reps. And then the pressure to be the perfect family. So you, if you, if you have, that's why the the the, the child rate is decreasing. Like before, just a couple of years ago, it was 2.7 kids. Now that number has decreased significantly to 2.3 kids, and we are trending this way. People don't want to have kids because they don't have time because they're tired. Because if you got multiple kids, you got to go to everyone's birthday parties, everyone's best friends things. You got to remember everyone's favorite color, your favorite color. It's just a lot to have kids. Like, they wake up filled with energy, and you're like, I'm tired. <laughs> Midday, when they know they need to take a nap. I'm tired. They still keep going and going, and you can feel it. And that pursuit of the perfect family can be exhausting. And so, again, what we have in our country is a, a people completely exhausted. And this explains why the mental health crisis has gone through the roof. Yeah. Depression, anxiety sleepless nights, insomnia, like you, it is just the, the, the degree that this country, this world expects of us is just, it, it is in alignment with what it means to be human. Humans are not machines. We are supposed to rest. Now, if you listen to your latest fitness guru or life coach, he'll tell you never rest, rest when you die. That's bad advice. And honestly, they don't take their own advice. I know they go to sleep. <laughs> so, one of the practices I want us to adopt in this cultural moment of endless production, endless striving, is to set aside a 24-hour period to practice God's Sabbath, to practice God's rest. Let's go to Ecclesiastes chapter 4. Now, for some of you, me talking about rest, you're excited, you're like, man, let's bring on the rest. For some of you, even thinking about rest is creating anxiety <laughs> and creating stress. You're like, I'm stressed out even thinking where I'm going to find the rest. And yet I ask that we would humbly allow the Holy Spirit to work and guide us and move us. We are all at varying points, and God's grace is sufficient for all of us. Ecclesiastes chapter 4 Beginning in verse 6. Better one handful with tranquility than two handfuls with toil chasing after the wind. Better one handful with tranquility and two, than two handfuls with toil and chasing after the wind. What, what the writer is communicating is in order to get rest, we may have to let go of certain things. Right. We may have to be at peace with we can't have everything if we desire rest. And for, for some of us, that is a nightmare that feels tragic. You're like, I want it all, including rest. And yet God did not design you or the world to be like that. So you have to decide whether or not you're going to be a person who seeks God's rest. And so when I talk about Sabbath, I want you guys to hear that the invitation, not as a command. It was commanded to the Israelite people, but I think as followers of Jesus, it's wisdom. And it's an invitation for you to experience God's rest. Yeah. Now, I think all of us in here get behind the idea of rest. We think it's good, like this is something we should do. But I know the fear. What if I rest and I fall behind? If I rest and other people get ahead of me in their career? You know, athletes feel this all the time. They're like, I just practice and uh, set aside voluntary workouts is not enough. I need to work out outside of that and I need to practice outside of that. We have built a culture of the one who keeps working, if you don't die, you'll get the prize. But the challenge is some people die along the way, if not physically, definitely emotionally. 
for some of us with young children, this feels impossible. It feels like, it feels impossible. And as someone with young children, it feels impossible. <laughs> and some of us who have kind of that, I need to help everyone mindset, you're like, when can I, when can I take some time to rest when everyone needs me? And a lot of our um, healthcare professionals feel this. You know, it's funny, you get into the health field because you like helping people, but most people in the health field continue to keep helping people. They just don't shut it off, and you can feel that, like, where am I supposed to rest? And so we justify not taking time to rest with the awful sayings of our culture, like, I rest when I die. Or we say things like, well, if the world was, pop if the world was perfect, then I would rest. Outside of that, this is just a normal part of being in this world. We're going to always be tired. That's just how it is. That's how it's, it feels, but that isn't how it is. And there are people who are testimonies of rest. And again, I grew, my family is from the Caribbean, and, and a lot of our families who may not have come from, and, and it, it, it doesn't matter whether you have a lot of money or a little money, a lot of people struggle with rest, but especially when you don't have a lot of money, you can feel like, I got to keep working, keep working, keep working, keep working, never stop. You're like, so I work my 40-hour job, then I pick up another job. And you're like, look, didn't Uncle Bob make it to 88? Uncle Bob got bad eyes, bad knee, bad back, bad everything. But you're like, look, Uncle Bob did it. And you're like, what about Uncle Tony, Uncle Joe? You're like, they all croaked out at 70. You're like, they weren't praying. And you're like, it's more than praying. They, they over-exhausted themselves. And so I believe Sabbath is the remedy for exhaustion. It's one of the remedies for exhaustion, restlessness, hurry, and overextending ourselves. Um, let's go to Genesis chapter 2, beginning in verse 1. Genesis chapter 2, beginning in verse 1. So, this is after, as many of you are familiar with the first page of the Bible, this is after God creates the world, most of the world. He says, this is good, God is good, this is good, land, water. And then on day 6, he creates man and woman to be made in his image. And yet creation isn't done until he establishes the seventh day. And this is where we pick up in Genesis chapter 2 verse 1. Thus the heavens and the earth were completed in all their array. But the seventh day God had finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day he rested from all his work. And God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. You know, some important definitions here, just so we understand, the Hebrew word rest is, um, the, the English word rest is translated from the Hebrew word Shabbat. This is where we get our idea of Sabbath. It can and usually is translated rest or ceasing in the, um, in the Old Testament, and it's really important that this word, while having spiritual significance, is just a regular word. It would be like our word bank. Like there's a bank that you go to where your money is, and then there's a river bank. We need the context to know how to use this word. And so when God says he rested, or he Shabbat, he ceased from his work, because we recognize that the work of creation needs to come to an end. I think if most of us were involved in creating the world, it would not have gotten done in six days. We would have kept trying to tweak it and 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 tweak it. Your creation story would have been 
10 years. Because you're like, it's never perfect. Where God knew six days was enough and this is good. This is told. And so the idea of God blessing the seventh day is really important for our understanding because the blessing of the seventh day is God's way of saying, man, this is such, what I've created these last six days, I want to be active in it. I want to be present in this particular moment. And so when God blesses the Sabbath day, he's basically saying, I'm taking up residence. This is what John Walton talks about um, on his teaching concerning what it means to for God to rest, what it means for God to Shabbat or to cease working. He says God's rest is about God's presence taking up its rest within a sacred space by filling it with his divine presence. Creation is depicted as a cosmic temple filled with God's presence on the climactic Sabbath. And so what John Walton is getting at, if you read the other ancient Eastern creation stories around um, Israel, what they're describing is usually what is described as building a temple. So when God is doing the six-day creation story, he's building a temple, and usually the deity that builds the temple or, or yeah, builds the temple wants to come into the presence of the people. And so God created creation so that we can have fellowship and covenant with him, so we can be connected to him in a real and powerful, intimate way. And now many of you know this because you're followers of Jesus, but sometimes no one knows why what's the meaning of what's the meaning of life, what's the meaning of creation. God would say, so I could be with you guys. I could connect with you guys. I could be in fellowship with you guys. You see, to bless the Sabbath day is for God to take up residence with us in creation and to help us rest. God sets this day apart from all the other six days of creation. He says, this day in particular, my presence will be with the people. It will provide blessing and sanctification. And so God taking up residence in creation it makes this day holy. It is, it is what sets this day apart, the very presence of God. And what we notice instantly is God doesn't give anyone instructions on what to do on the day of the Sabbath right here. There's really no instructions. But, and God blessed us every day and made all these like rest. And for some of us, when we think of rest, we're thinking, <coughs> what am I supposed to do? What would be a Sabbath? I just sit here, listen to... Uh, Hillsong all day and <laughs> scriptures in the background and I just, what, zen and meditate, drink tea. <laughs> and that feels stressful. And yet that's not the vision that God has for rest. You know, rest is supposed to be different from what we have in our American culture, which is a day off. For however long I've been working, I've always had days off. And in my life, largely, my days off were filled with errands and activities that did what? Not produce rest. <laughs> I had a day off though. I had a whole day off. I remember just running around doing laundry after I did laundry. You know, if you go grocery shopping during the school year when I had no kids, that's the worst time to go grocery shopping because all the mothers and fathers are in there buying food, the lines are on. Just a day off during the weekday is awful, but a day off during the weekend it's discouraging because other people are having fun. I'll show you then. <laughs> and so a regular day off, you guys are hearing me say Sabbath, and you're hearing, take a day off. Just take a regular day off. Just, just don't just run errands and don't feel obligated, whatever. And that I have seen in my own experience not produce rest. My days off became days of self-medicating. Mm -hmm. On my day off, I would find myself eating 
Oreo after Oreo after Oreo. You know how they got the sleeves? And you're like, there's three sleeves, and you're like, I'm just going to take three because that's the serving size. And then I walk back in the kitchen, three more. And then I go, I'm in the middle of a conversation on the phone, just taking from the Oreo, taking from the Oreo. Because even though I wasn't physically at work, I still was working up here. I still was thinking about work. I still was meditating on work. And that was as a minister, I just was like, oh man, I gotta do this, I gotta do this. I'm walking around, I'm like, oh, and I'm just killing the Oreos. <laughs> and then you say to yourself, you know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna go play a little bit of basketball, and after I play basketball, I'm gonna end the night with some Netflix. That's some restful thing. Then I'm watching Seinfeld, Brain Dead TV, and you're just like, yo, this is awesome. And then I wake up, I go to <coughs> stressed out, I wake up, stressed. And I'm like, I don't know why, I'm, I'm always tired, man. It's because I wasn't resting on my quote-unquote day off. Mm-hmm. I just did different work. Mm-hmm. Work that wasn't filling. Work that wasn't life-giving. And so Jesus promises of abundant life and life to the full. And come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, I will give you rest. I was like, oh, those are sweet sayings, but that's just not. I don't know what that means. I don't know what that means, and I don't even know if that's something I should strive for. And I started realizing very quickly that how I was living was not sustainable. When Brian was born, two weeks after, Stephen was going through what he was going through. Julian and Brian didn't sleep all night. I didn't get any sleep. And then Stephen asked me to go for a walk, and I had it in my heart just to want to open the door and be like, oh. And if he came back, I was like, hey, man, if he didn't. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, how else is he going to learn how to survive? <laughs> he needs to know his community anyway, and this is going to help him. Same. <laughs> and as I was looking, and he saw the door open, he's like, are you coming? <laughs> and I was like, I don't want to. <laughs> you go out there, you go figure it out. And, and then I told, I remember that night, I ended up getting a phone uh, text about something concerning the ministry, something else, then a bill, then I remember going that evening with, with Jules finally was able to get Brian to kind of get some rest and sleep. I was like, one of us is going to die before 40. I'm putting my money on me. She's like, what's going on? I'm like, I don't sleep anymore. I'm like, I can't stand everything. And even the things I like, I hate. And she's like, what are you, you going to do? I'm like, I'm going to cry. <laughs> so, I, so I went into the living room. And I didn't even cry because I was so tired. You know, it was annoying. So I'm sitting, in, I'm sitting in the living room and I'm just like, I'm so tired. I just want to sleep, man. But I do want to cry too. And then I'm just sitting there. I'm like, God, help me. And I honestly feel like the Holy Spirit answered in a powerful way. Some, some friend of mine, unsolicited, that sent me, um, he, he asked my advice, bro, with two young kids leaving the church and everything else, how are you practicing your Sabbath and your day of rest? I'm like one Excedrin pill at a time. <laughs> and then he's like, you want to talk? I'm like, I don't think that's going to help me, but sure. And then we just talked and talked and he shared resources and thoughts. And I was like, dude, are you an angel, man? Like, what did you do? And that began my journey over, over a year of being very intentional how I would practice my day of rest. Very intentional about how I practice my day of rest. 
Jules and I radically transformed a lot of our schedule so that we could be a people who experience God's rest. You see, when God set this day apart, it was supposed to be a day where we could delight in his presence, where we could stop, where we can experience his rest, and we can experience a worship that fills us. And I can tell you, I, I hope as the days come along, I get not better, but more intentional about how I experience his rest. But so far, I, I feel like that has probably been the biggest life-changing thing in my life post-Brian. It's how I choose to use my day off, my Sabbath, how I Sabbath them all. Mm-hmm. And so the middle of the question is, why did God rest? Was he tired? Mm-hmm. God is not tired, as the scriptures teach. God was not tired. And so the Sabbath reveals us, <laughs> reveals something very special about God. The other Mesopotamian gods that created in their creation story did create, just like um, the God we read about in the Bible, the God we worship, but they did get tired after their days of creation. They were exhausted. It was a lot of work. So they're like, I'm going to rest. And you know why they created humans? To continue to do the work that they were tired to do. They created humans. Most of the Eastern, um, Eastern creation accounts from that time, they created humans day two. Humans already were partnering with the divinity to get this work done. God created humanity on what day? Six. Humanity's debut in creation. The next day, take a rest. Mm. Like, that's where the journey started. It started from a place of rest. It didn't start from, oh, you need to earn this rest. Mm. Can you imagine the, the, the male, female made in the image of God just like, okay, we're here. What are we going to do? Take some rest. But we're here. We don't want to work. Some of you would be stressed out with God if he gave you your first day on the job. If your first day on the job, you're like, hey, rest. No, I came here to work. Give me something to do. God's first task. More than likely, after they were like, you need a rest, they looked around and like, I think this is good. This is good. Wow, that's good. This is good. That's good. I actually appreciate all of nature. This is amazing. That when they started their own work, it came from a perspective of appreciating what God had already done. And they got to partner with God in a meaningful way. And so, I think We have it backwards. We work to rest instead of work from rest. (coughs) We say, I'm going to work it out. I'm going to do everything, and then I can rest. Where God teaches in the very beginning of his his book that rest is a gift. And it was given before humanity earned that rest. How much more so today? And so the people... In the Eastern religions, we'll probably have read this account and been surprised that God's not tired. But then it becomes the millennial question, what is God doing then? He's seeking a people. Like, that's why he blessed the seven days. He's like, I want to be with a people. I want to be partnered with a people. I want to take up residence with a people. This is the overall story of the entire Bible. This is Emmanuel, God with us. God had always wanted to be with his people. And this is why he sets this story apart. I think for a lot of us, when we look at a day of rest, we make it about us instead of community. I think once you make that important shift that rest is about community, then you start to experience exceeding amazing rest. You see, we recognize that, biblically speaking, God actually can't rest, 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 because if he stops, everything stops. 
He can feast from creating different things, but we rely on God to breathe. We, theologically, we rely on God to breathe. And so he has to keep working, but he's God and he's sustainable. We are not God, and we need rest. Yeah. And so God does not require rest from either a cosmic or human disturbance, but seeks rest in his dwelling. Let's go to Psalm 132. Psalm 132. Psalm 132. This is the psalmist speaking on what God is looking for, why he's looking for a resting place. And there are a lot of psalms like this. If you just put in, if you have a Hebrew linear translation, just look up Shabbat and you'll see all the different places and what God is doing. If you don't have one of those things, I think just put Shabbat in Google search bar and you'll find it. Um, Psalm 132. Let us go to his dwelling place. Let us worship Psalm 132, beginning in verse 7. Let us go to his dwelling place. Let us worship at his footstool, saying, Arise, Lord, come to your resting place, you and the ark of your might. Let's go down to verse 13. For the Lord has chosen Zion. He has desired it for his dwelling, saying, This is my resting place forever and ever. Here I will sit and throne, for I have desired it. So God is seeking a resting place so he may dwell there. Like God wants to be in fellowship with you. You may not feel important. Maybe you do feel important, and God will ask you to humble yourself, like we saw during here. But maybe you don't feel important. God is like, I want to rest with you. I want you to notice me, and I want to notice you. That's his desire, that we will find deep and intimate relationship with him. You see, the practice, the Sabbath practice for God and his people communicate something deeply profound about himself and his view of us. God did not create you to work for him. Humanity was created on the sixth day because he did not need humanity to work for him. He wanted humanity to be in fellowship with him, to be in relationship with him. When your starting place is there, that drastically can transform your discipleship. So if you're thinking, God, man, I just need to earn your love, or I need you to, whatever. I need to do this for God. I need to build the kingdom. I understand why we use that phrase, build the kingdom, but God is the kingdom builder. Yeah. Like, God is the one who builds the kingdom. We partner with God if he so graciously allows us. And he works with our best efforts, our, our silly efforts, and, he, and it's awesome. Let's go to Exodus 20. So what does the, the Sabbath reveal about God? That God does not need people to work for him. He wants people to be in community with him. And that our primary identity should not come from our work, but from him. Exodus 20, beginning in verse 1. And God spoke all these words. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an image in the form of anything in heaven above or on the earth beneath or in the waters below. You shall not bow down to them or worship them, for I, the Lord, your God, am a jealous God, punishing the children for the sins of the parents of the third and fourth generation of those who hate me but showing love to a thousand generations of those who love me and keep my commandments. You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God, for the Lord will not hold anyone guiltless who misuses his name. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is the Sabbath to the Lord your God. 
On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son or your daughter or male or female servant nor your animals nor any foreigners residing in your town. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth to see and all that is in them, but he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Honor your father and your mother so that you may live long in the land the Lord your God has given you. You shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not give false testimony against your neighbor. You shall not covet your neighbor's house, you shall not covet your neighbor's wife, or his male or female servant, his ox or his donkeys, or anything that belongs to your neighbor. So you have the Israelites who just came out of Egypt, slaves, they worked every single day for Pharaoh. That was who they were. They worked every single day for Pharaoh. And I'm almost certain if you were to pull your, 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 your average Israelite during that time, they were like, I don't want to let Pharaoh down. I don't want to miss my quotas. I don't want to do this. I don't want to miss that. There was a fear of potentially letting down Pharaoh who presented himself as a god. He's like, I'm a god. You guys need to work for me. I don't think a lot of people in our country now have that fear. But I do think there's a Messiah complex. Yeah. I got to do this. I got to do that. I'm the one who could fix this. I'm the one who could fix that. I'm the one who could do this. You know, like, one of the hardest things, and, 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 and my brothers who are in the life stage of retirement, you guys could, could speak to me on this one. When I read in, in these different polls, the boomer generation is having the hardest time retiring. Because, you know what? What you do is who you are. Mm. Like, that's the, like, I, I look and I'm like, wow, is that going to be true when my, my age group gets up there? That I'm going to so identify with what I do and who I am that I won't be able to redirect. Now, retiring and doing no work is two different stories. The, the boomer generation is just having a challenge to stop receiving income and finding different things to glorify our God. And yet, I think a huge part of it is you've been indoctrinated. What do you do when you first meet someone? You don't ask them who they are. What do you do? Well, now what are you going to tell them if you're retired? Nothing. What do you do? Nothing. Oh, man, I think you're ready to die, I guess. And you're like, no, I need to keep working. I need to keep working so you know I'm not ready to die. Because the fear is real. Like, what, what would happen if we don't need you anymore? That's a lie from Satan. That's a complete lie from Satan. There are many than one things that we can give ourselves to. Now, the truth is, for, for, for the younger folks, like, it, it, it could feel like, man, i got to keep working until I actually have something to boast about. Until I have something meaningful to say. You know, in certain settings, I can walk into a room and I can say, I'm a minister. And, and it's encouraging. Like, oh, yeah, you're a minister. Then I get around my family. My, so we have a lawyer in my family. We have a cousin who just now, business is booming in Atlanta right now. So I get in that room. My older brother, he's a lawyer. Oh, yeah, man, you know, he, he, was in the, he was in the article 40 under 40. Like, killing him. He's like top lawyer. People are trying to get him to help him get off of murder. I'm like, you're almost like Jesus, but not. Uh, <laughs> it's not because I think some of these people actually kill people, and I don't know how I feel about that ethically. Uh, but, amen. But I have a cousin who's an entrepreneur, and they just started doing, they're doing really well in business. And so when we hung out last time I was down in Miami in January, I was like, man, I could feel a little 
I was, I was talking to one of the brothers after I hung out. They're like, what was that like? I'm like, yeah, you know, I was hanging out with my brother. His house is awesome. His place is amazing. And he's like, and yeah, you're, you're like, what, you're the minister? So you, your role is to pray over the food? <laughs> I do a little bit more than that, but yeah, I guess. And I can feel like maybe I need a side hustle. Maybe I need to keep working. Maybe I want to have a just a you know. I did. I, I'm always surprised every year that goes by how much I actually do really care about what my mom and dad thinks. I'm a grown man, super grown, and I could be like, my dad talks about my older brother who's a lawyer all the time. Like that, what about me, man? Like, I'm, I'm doing like gospel. Like, come on, man. He's like, yeah, I know. That's good that you're doing the Jesus stuff. Like, <laughs> I'm like, nice. And I tell my mom, she's like, your church don't pay you enough. She's like, you're the only one who got a house yet. I'm like, but I'm kind of happy. And she's like, sure. I guess you, I guess you have to learn how to be happy. You can't got nothing. <laughs> Shout out to them. Wait, that's where I get my humor from. <laughs> but the Messiah complex, I can start to feel like I'm, I'm not going to stop working until I can earn their approval. God did not set it up that way. Creation started, what did, what did the first human beings accomplish when he gave them rest? What did, he's like, I made you my image. You didn't have to earn to be in my image. I made you my image. You reflected me already. That's hard because, again, we're swimming upstream. The rest of the world around us is telling us you are what you do for a living. You are your titles. You are this. And that's difficult, and I get it. But the, the problem with when we are our own gods who think we can work and never stop, we are bound to let ourselves down. Yeah. And you might fear, like, man, what if I let God down by not working 24-7? Key, key, key teaching, you never held God up. Like, you can't let God down because you are not broad enough to carry God. You are not strong enough to carry God. God works even when you're sleeping. God is fired up. You are human, and you need to sleep and rest. You see, the Sabbath isn't just one day. It's a way of being in the world. It's a spirit of restfulness that comes from abiding and living in the Father's loving presence all week. The Sabbath comes to us from the Hebrew Shabbat, like I mentioned earlier. And that word just means stop. Stop. For one day, stop striving. Stop going after things. Just appreciate what God has done. And that requires a lot of work. Especially for college students, you feel like you can never stop. Uh-huh. You got it, you got it. You got to stop, trust me. Big yeah. picture, you will appreciate the moments you were able to rest more than the moments where you never cease working. You see, the Sabbath was given to an enslaved people to remind them that their creation story is completely different than their lived experience. Their lived experience was, I've been a slave. Everyone that was given this Ten Commandments were born slaves and had to work every single day. And Moses is saying, that's not your story. When we want to grow and be the people who can love God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength and love our neighbors as ourselves, you understand this is why the Sabbath is sandwiched right in the middle between the loving God piece and the loving neighbor piece. You rest well, you'll love God well. You rest well, you'll love people well. You don't rest well, both of those things will be a huge challenge. And again, speaking from experience, 
It's a growing thing, but I have found when I rest well, I can love God and love people really well. I stop striving. I feel comfortable in my flesh. I feel comfortable in my skin and what I've accomplished. But when I'm not resting well, anxiety runs about. Let's go to Mark chapter 2, verse 27. This is setting us up for our next portion as we um, wrap up here a little bit. Mark chapter 2, verse 27. Mark chapter 2, verse 27, beginning in verse 28. Then he said to them, The Sabbath was made for man, and not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord, even of the Sabbath. The Sabbath was made for man. Where, where the Jewish folks, um, during the times of the New Testament, went wrong, was they got really weird and legalistic about a lot of things. But Jesus' teaching, I think for us, is more pressing that the Sabbath was made for man. God said, man, you guys take this day and rest. And one of the things that I have found in my own experience that I really want to encourage us, resting in community is ten times easier, better, more encouraging than resting as individuals. Like if you take, if, if any of you have ever lived in communities where there are um, practicing Orthodox Jews, you're like, they, they, the, all of those guys aren't working on um, Friday evening and through Saturday morning. And you know what? I was telling my mom this because we were talking about the Sabbath a month and a half ago. Not a month and a half ago, a couple of months ago. And because she, she was like, what are you doing today? I'm like, oh, I'm resting. She's like, you know, there's so many different things you could do. I'm like, and yeah, I'm doing the most important thing. And she's like, what's that? Talking to you. You know, trying to <laughs> <laughs> but then you know she persisted that I could be doing other things, and I'm like, you, you, I'm like, she's like, man, that's why sometimes you don't accomplish as much because you want to take life easy and all this other stuff. You know, like that, that's the culture we live in. We want people to be stressed for whatever reason. Like when someone's not stressed, it stresses us out. Like we want mutual communal stress. <laughs> like please be stressed. Okay, you're stressed. Good. But I shared with her. I'm like, you know, the the because the, the, we lived in a community right adjacent to a. Um, an Orthodox Jewish community, I'm like, they got doctors, lawyers, all this other stuff, grad degrees, blah, 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 a billion kids. They don't got a billion kids, but it feels like everyone got a minivan in that group. And so you're like looking and you're like, how do they do that when they take a whole day off? They just like take a whole day off. They don't do anything. And they're like, I'm like, what if there's some wisdom in being able to slow down and appreciate life? Right. And she just said, all right, well, enjoy your day off. You know? <laughs> <laughs> so I'll talk to you later. But I think there's some wisdom in doing that in community. I think if it were just one individual family doing it, it becomes difficult. You're swimming upstream. Yeah. Your kids start to feel like, but all the other kids are doing that, uh, 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 and you, you can feel that. Or all the other people. But if we do it as a community, imagine what it would be like to be in each other's presence. Imagine. And so... I want us to start thinking that God has on offer for us life-giving rest, deep life-giving rest, and a security that knowing that God is with us, and he's calling us to pace ourselves, to pace ourselves. Imagine 24 hours we do that at the collective community, how different our life would be. And so here's, here, here, here's the takeaway. We're going to do it in our community groups. We're going to work towards practicing the Sabbath as a community, as an experiment. 
and it's invitation. So if you're like, I don't want to practice Sabbath with anyone, I don't want to practice Sabbath, I want to keep working, the Lord be with you. Um, but for those who aren't interested, here's what I want you to write down. This, is, this can be tough for certain people. Write down what makes you joyful. Not, not, don't write down what you think might make you joyful. Write down what makes you joyful. Now, if you're like, I don't even know what makes me joyful. That means you haven't experienced joy in them sometime. That's okay. We are a God of grace who starts today. Start thinking about what makes you joyful. And after you write down what makes you joyful, ask yourself, how do you experience rest? And when I say rest, replenishment. Like, you get wake up in the morning, and you can say, I'm not tired. I actually can go and do whatever. How do you experience rest? And if you don't know, again, we, we're going to talk about it as community. And again, we're moving in the direction of just practicing as an experiment what it could potentially look like for us to do this as a community. Let's pray for um, communion, and then um, we'll continue with our worship. <coughs> Father, we come before you just grateful that you've given us your son as a model. Or Jesus was in hurry, he was in stress. In most situations you read in the scriptures, he was just patient and aware. Lord, he, I, I know he practiced a rhythm of being close to you and intimate with you. And I pray that we can participate in that practice. Lord, thank you that our identity isn't rooted in what we do, but who you are. That our, our, our confidence doesn't come from our resume, it comes from your love for us. That who you've called us to be is where we draw our deepest sense of meaning and identity, Father. Lord, I pray for the communion. I pray for the um, body broken for us. That it brings us great healing. I pray for the cup, which um, represents the blood poured out for our forgiveness. I pray that you've opened up your communion for all those seeking you, Father. Again, thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your goodness. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.